Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. We are back. Kevin's Corner recapping a Colts football game. That is... Music to my ears. Uh, I know maybe the result for some was a bit of a bummer yesterday. For others, they'll chalk it up as entertaining loss and keep those coming this year in the race for a top five pick. But nonetheless, looking forward to today's podcast. I am Kevin Bowen. Eddie Garrison is with me. And finally, we get the chance to react to a real football game for 60 minutes and 68, 69 snaps for Anthony Richardson. Uh, A whole lot to get to on today's pod you know typically eddie what we've done after games what i like what i don't like we begin with what i don't like after losses what i like after wins gets the initial mention i feel like we have a make a little bit of an alteration to that during Colts season 2023 okay i feel like because it's so much if not all about anthony richardson i feel like we just have to bump richardson to the to the top of it all, all right? Yeah. We'll start every recap pod with Richardson and then what I liked, what I don't like, and then get to Twitter questions. Are you good with that amendment? Totally fine with that one. Makes total sense. Okay. How good was your uh, game day experience yesterday? It was great. You know, I thought, I I, I love Lucasola Stadium. I think it's such a cool venue and I love being back in there and I don't know, Eddie. I just, maybe I'm a nerd and I don't know. I don't know if other people feel this way. Maybe it's just because I'm you know, somewhat in the profession and I was kind of nervous and, you know, I had some butterflies yeah. and, you know, being on the field pregame to, to do some TV. And then I was about to say, where is it butterflies because you're on TV? Yeah, maybe, you know, that, that that's a little bit of a change for me, especially doing it, you know, on the field pregame. I really have, I guess I've done it a couple times, but nothing as consistently as what I'll do this season. With, did uh, uh, Matty Bowen dress you? With Wish TV. Ma- Matty Bowen did have some impact on on my wardrobe, certainly. What'd you go with? Because uh, I don't have the accessibility to Wish TV 8. Gray suit, a little, a little checkered nice. blue, uh, button down underneath that. So that was my opening day attire. Cannot pull off Anthony Richardson's suit that he walked into the building. Are you talking yesterday. about the green or are you talking about the shorts? Uh, I would say the shorts more than the green. I, I, I like some Irish green, certainly, but uh, could not pull that off. But again, Eddie, like what I love so much about my job is just exactly how yesterday kind of unfolded. It's it's unpredictable. It's it's wild. It's stuff that you know you, you can expect and, and try and, th- oh, yeah, I know what's going to happen in the game, and you never truly, truly know what's going to unfold. So... I thought, again, the atmosphere was really strong inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. And I don't know. I feel like for the most part, I guess before we get to Richardson, Eddie, you got entertainment. You had a lead midway through the fourth quarter of the best team in your division. I would say one of the you know handful of teams in the AFC that, that could make some noise this year. And I, I don't know, you know. I'm sure Colts fans are a little torn. Like Richardson had a lot, a lot of positive moments mm-hmm. um, in a way. And we can get into this. It was kind of almost a tale of two halves with him. Maybe not totally true, but um, but then also, like, are you, are you bummed? Because I would say the reason you lost, a big reason why you lost that game, is something we've talked about for the last month, month and a half. Do you have enough support for him? You know, you didn't lose that game because he fumbled three times, or he threw three picks, or he completed 40% of 
of his passes. So I think that's where you're probably leaving just a little bit bummed of like, man, you had some chances. I mean, Eddie, how many drives did they have with a four-point lead? That's a good point. At least two, right? If not three. I mean, and really, you could point to a punt. That totally changed the game. And I think we have a Twitter question about Rigoberto Sanchez. I know that play maybe specifically wasn't on him, but that usually very reliable punt unit um, did not help you out yesterday. So, I don't know. I, I'm sure it's a little bit of mixed emotions. Again, if if you have the proper perspective of like what this season should be all about, I think yesterday was borderline an ideal result. Now, I get it. I mean, I was inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. Like, I think when you are in the element a little bit and the competitive juices, even for fans, they mm-hmm. those start to like flow a bit. You're just kind of bummed that it was a loss. And I know that, that that's hard. Maybe as like Wednesday becomes Thursday becomes Friday this week, that'll be a, a bit a little bit easier to swallow. But I just think the raw emotion of it is a little bit. Of a bummer here. Yeah, I'm looking it up. You had one, you had two, you had two drives with the lead. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you think fans' overall reaction, Eddie, is from yesterday? I think you should be encouraged if you're a fan. I mean, the the big expectation was the inaccuracy and, you know, the short to intermediate passing game. And that's pretty much... That was the bread and butter of yesterday's offense. A lot of screens, a lot of easy, quick rhythm throws to get Richardson comfortable and confident um, in his first NFL start. And then I think you saw a little bit with the legs, design runs a little bit. Um, the one thing I have to be, you have to be cautious about now is, you know, how many hits do you want him taking a game? Jalen Hurts. Now I was watching that Eagles uh, Patriots game. I don't know if you were able to catch much of that or any of it. Watch but, the end, yeah. Um, Jalen Hurts has now started to slide when he's about to take a hit, even on design quarterback runs. And I think uh, after last season, that's something that Jalen Hurts had to experience of getting hurt um, with that shoulder uh, injury last year. And he thinking he broke his collarbone and now he's going to, you know, avoid as many hits as possible. That's something Anthony Richardson has to learn. And that's what Trevor Lawrence told him after the game. Boy, I don't know if that would be maybe more of a Wednesday topic for us, Eddie, but I think that is such an important point to make and I know Trevor Lawrence made that point to Anthony Richardson post game and I guess let's just get into Richardson right here and and maybe let's let me put the injury stuff to the side for just a second um, you know he has that he has that second pass or the second play of the game kind of airmails Ogletree I believe it was um, just a hair over him and then all of a sudden he completes six in a row. Mm-hmm. And at one point, I looked down. I mean, Eddie, he was like 15 of 19. I'm like, damn, this is not what I was expecting. And you you just hit on it a few minutes ago. There was a feel for a while there of like a very methodical passing game. And it wasn't the high highs and the low lows that I think I thought we would see. You know, if you add it up at the end of the game, he was a 64% passer. I mean, that is perfectly acceptable. Um, yes, he throws the one interception. He had the crazy left-hander to Deion Jackson. But, like, I don't think you had disastrous moments like that many of them. 
I don't recall many, if any, kind of procedural issues like, you know, late in play clocks or random timeouts or, you know, false starts or guys not lined up. Legal men downfield. Yeah, legal men downfield. Yeah, you really didn't have that either. So, in a way, it was rookie like in that it was kind of a tale of two halves, which I will get to. But in a way, it wasn't. You know, you, you, you did a nice job of controlling a lot of kind of the first game stuff that you see arise. Um, I don't know if it was after the Pittman touchdown. It was probably after the Pittman touchdown where you tied the game. And then I thought we saw a different Richardson and just a different offense for the rest of the game. I mean, I know you had the one drive there late, which I guess the game was still kind of in doubt. But, you know, Jacksonville so prevent at that point up two scores. But, Eddie, after the Pittman touchdown to tie it, five straight drives, zero first downs. I mean, not just zero points. I mean, zero first down. You know how hard yeah. that is to do? Yeah. Five drives, 15 plays. I think they went for it on a fourth down or, or, or two. You obviously have the interception to Tyson Campbell there. And if you look at the offensive day as a whole, it was really feast or famine. I mean, you had 14 drives on the afternoon, and 11 of them went for 10 yards or less. I mean, eleven of your fourteen, yeah, ten yards or less. I mean, that's a that's a pretty astonishing number to me. So it was really feast or famine with him. Uh, obviously, the design run that we saw that that first run of him was that triple option. He actually got hurt on that play. That was when he had suffered that early knee bruise. I loved the ball he delivered to Josh Downs. I want to say it was two plays after that injury. He was limping. Yeah, I thought a decent yeah. amount, and that's the advantage of being there in that press box. I don't know how much Fox showed of that, but he was limping pretty good. And then he comes back, and boy, he throws a strike to Downs with the dude in his face, in stride, allows Downs to make a play post-catch. But, you know, again, Eddie, at, at one point when he's 15 of 19, you didn't have the big plays vertically. And I think... That, I know a lot of people are ripping Shane Steichen for the fourth down stuff and, and and some of that decision making and I guess we can get to that maybe a little bit later and certainly we can get to that in Twitter questions but where I was a little disappointed offensively is I think you just have to dial up two to three deep balls and throw two to three deep balls every game yeah. even if they're low percentage I think you need to throw those up just to say to a defense we can do this because if not your run game ain't keep, keeping safeties back. Nope. I mean, there. Excuse me. Your run game is keeping safeties back. So how do you try and kind of offset that? Because teams are going to look at it and say, "Guys, you can't run it, and we don't think your wideouts are good enough to beat our press coverage." So that is something that I think you've got to try and say to a defense. No, no, no. We can do this, and it's also Anthony's greatest strength as a thrower is making some of that action happen vertically there. Um, so I would have liked to have seen a little bit more from that. I think there was a reminder, and maybe it was the Josh Allen meeting him at the sideline. I leaned over to Mike Chappell, who I sit next to in the press box a couple times, and I'm like, man, NFL speed and NFL hits are different. I mean, yeah, Richardson made some plays with his legs, and he obviously is a rare athlete out on the field. But, Eddie, there's a few times on those scrambles where it just turned into no gains. Mm-hmm. And in college, he maybe gets to the edge and gets two or three. Or was it Allen that sacked him from the blind side on the first drive? Yes. You know, maybe he gets three or four yards on that play, that, or he throws it away. What, 
whatever he was trying to do there. Um, and then hit-wise. And I guess that's where you get into a little bit of stuff I'm curious about. I didn't feel like they designed to run him too, too much in the second half, especially in those five series that they all were empty. Was any of that due to the knee injury in the first half? I mean, Richardson himself still took off and made some plays, but that's something I, I, I'm curious about. And then I just think the Trevor Lawrence comments post game to Richardson, and you brought it up earlier, that to me is so much of what this season is about. You know, he gets hit there late and exits. It looked like his left shoulder. We'll, we'll see the update from Shane Sykin today. And he misses the final three plays of the game. And I found myself walking out of Lucas Oil Stadium thinking, I don't need to see Anthony Richardson run. Like, I know that is part of his game. So you're never going to, I'm not saying that you can take that out of him. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that. But what this season is about, it's about evaluating Anthony Richardson. I don't need to evaluate him as a runner. He will be, and you could make the argument, is an elite running quarterback in this league. I have zero doubt in my mind he, I would say present tense, he is that and certainly can be that in his career. What do I need to know? Are you an NFL passer? Are you an NFL quarterback? And by NFL quarterback, I should say, like, almost think of quarterback in all caps. And by that, I mean, down three, five minutes ago, you're bringing your offense back out there. I tweeted out and said, this is why you play Richardson right before that series started. You can't script any of this. You can't script those emotions. You can't script that, that sequence against that defense, all those things. How do you handle it? Now, again, we saw how Richardson handled it. Uh, I'm not going to harp on that by any means. Uh, there will be a point in time where we do harp on that. But that's the stuff of why he has got to play, because he needs to get... I mean, he's got 14 starts since high school. Like That needs to be 29 by the end of the year, yeah. whatever that, that number needs to. He needs to stay healthy just purely for the experience and the reps of it all. And that's where I think the Lawrence comments to him of like, dude, try and protect yourself if you can. That that resonates. I mean, the play right before he got hurt, that was a hell of a second effort he had on the fourth down to keep that play, to keep the drive alive, keep the game alive. Yeah. Um, so that is something that I think really resonates to me of like, man, he got hurt on his first ever NFL carry. And then technically he left the game early. Maybe that could be a wake-up call, you know, right away. Maybe it is. Um I think it's a really hard thing to kind of innately correct. You know, you bring up the Jalen Hurts thing. Um, you know, Richardson probably views himself, and he has been this way, and he is with a lot of the NFL, but he's always been easily the biggest and the fastest. Yeah. I mean, he still is that, but not fully. I mean, Josh Allen's a pretty pretty special athlete, you know, making some of those plays. So I think that will be an interesting dichotomy to watch. Um for him, certainly the the creativity of the offense. I mean, there were so many formations, Eddie, and just play designs that that were different. And there's a multiplicity nature to having him back there. That I mean, look at the touchdown run. I mean, you would never never see that from from a pass. It reminded team, me so. of that um, the Jalen Hurts game winning touchdown run against the Colts. Yeah, a little parting parting of the seas there. Yeah, on that one. So. Um, Again, I thought there were some nice moments from Richardson early on. I didn't think you saw like early game jitters. You know, he had six in a row early, and it just seemed like I saw a little bit of a different quarterback slash different 
calling of the offense once they got a lead. And I thought yeah. Richardson's comments, Eddie, post-game, they sound so elementary when you transcribe them. But I really appreciate this about Richardson. I think he's really genuine with his answers. And he was asked about like his biggest takeaway. And he said something to the effect of, like, every play matters, every possession matters. And I'm sure there's an element of people reading that like, well, no shit, man. But he's right. I mean, the NFL is unlike any professional sports league. Of yeah. y- y- you play with fire, you're probably going to get burnt. And you cannot squander opportunities. And when you have chances to step on the throat of a quality opponent, you've got to do that. And you never know when that play is going to be the play. When is the DeForest Buckner, Zaire Franklin play going to happen? When is the Jamal Agnew, you know, picks up the bouncing Rigoberto Sanchez punt? And that play, in my mind, is probably the play of the game. Uh, Jacksonville, I think the previous seven drives, they had just empty drive after empty drive. I mean, they, I don't, at that point of the game, I didn't see Jacksonville's offense going 90 yards on the Colts defense. Yep. So um, I thought it was such an important quote and really I thought it was like I think if you're a Colts fan you've got to walk away from that and again I'm sure there's a section of the audience that says come on man of course that's true but I think you got to feel that I mean Anthony Richardson's pretty darn blessed with some physical gifts and even at Florida albeit they were six and six there were plenty of games that they played where not every play mattered not every drive mattered but that is life in the NFL there, and when you have five straight empty drives and no first downs, you probably feel a little bit of that. So it just was another reminder of, I think Richardson gets it, and getting it and then translating that to the field, you know, that obviously will be all a part of his growth and development, but I thought in the heat of the moment, five minutes after a game ended where he got hurt, I thought it was a pretty interesting perspective for him to have in that moment. So I'd like to see a few more big plays out of the passing offense in general. I'd like to see a few more dialed up, a few more attempts as well. Um, but it, it was just it was a really interesting game from Richardson because in a way, it was much more of a methodical passing offense than I thought we would see. Yeah. Uh five three and outs. Is that what it was for the game? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just too yeah, again, too much feast or famine. I mean eleven of fourteen Goes for less than 10 yards. You know, I, I think Jacksonville's defense, certainly they have some playmakers, but and it doesn't help when you don't run it. And, you know, we, we can get all into that with what I liked and what I didn't like. Um, but overall, again, I think you walk away from the opener encouraged by what Richardson saw. Anything else on Richardson, Eddie, before we move on? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. When St. Jude opened in 1962, childhood cancer was considered incurable. Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 to become a partner in hope. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime. I don't think so. So since the Colts lost, we will dive into what you didn't like. And I think the low-hanging fruit here 
um, is the running game for the Indianapolis Colts outside of Anthony Richardson. You have Deion Jackson, 13 carries and what, 14 yards? That was the final, was that his final stat line? Yeah. It... Are we starting with Deion Jackson? Yes. Eddie, I would like to hope listeners of this podcast realize that I don't speak in hyperbole. And if I do speak in, I don't know, a statement that people might think is exaggerated, that they'll know it comes from some substance. And I'm not just saying it to be Stephen A. Smith, to be Skip Bayless. Eddie, yesterday was one of the worst football games I've ever seen from a Colts player in Deion Jackson. Yep. Um, 13 carries for 14 yards, as you pointed out. Wait, Darius had a He was worse than that? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, 13 for 14, Eddie. That is 1.1 yards per carry. It hit me post-game that that number was ugly. It also hit me post-game that 13 carries is a pretty good sample size. So I decided to look it up, and I decided to put the number at 12 carries. I'm like, you know what? Let's go with three carries a quarter. It's a decent enough sample size. Yesterday, they honored the 1984 Indianapolis Colts, the first team here in the Circle City. So I can do that math. That would be a 40-year run that the franchise has had here in Indianapolis. Good job. In 40 years of all the running backs that have carried the ball at least 12 times in a game for the Colts, that was the second worst yards per carry in the history of the Indianapolis Colts. So if you just want to boil it down to 13 for 14. And if you remove his longest rush, which was seven yards, it's 12 for seven. (sighs) Can the heebie-jeebies just hearing that. So if you just stop there, Eddie, 13 for 14, that's awful. Um, But then you throw in two fumbles. You throw in a big drop that he had as well. I mean, ball security, ball security. I can hear Scotty Montgomery, the running backs coach, ODB, ODB, our damn ball. He would yell all the time at Colts running back. I mean, when you throw the lack of ball security on top of it, Deion Jackson's a good dude, and unfortunately I've got to be honest because I'm paid for that. It was a horrific, horrific – it was a cuttable football game. It was. Didn't you cut Hot Rod after the opener last year? Yes. It was a cuttable football game from Deion Jackson. And I don't say that lightly. I, I don't I can't even imagine in the whatever, seven years of doing this podcast or however long it's been, Eddie, like I, I've said that very often. How much was it Dion and how much was it the offensive line? I'm glad you went there. I did think there were a lot of moments where the offensive line didn't give you much of a chance. But again, Eddie, let's get away from just even Okay, running lanes were not that abundant for him. Okay, let's let's separate that for just a second. You can't have two fumbles and a drop. I agree. Especially when you're labeled as more of a pass catcher than anything. And if you want to go to the receiving, what was it? 5 for 14 from a pass catching standpoint? So, yes. and Richardson, you know, to be fair, threw him a grenade on the one with the left hand, but still like I think his final 3 receptions were all negative yardage. Really? Yes, because he was up to, I want to say, 3 for 18, and he finished 5 for 14. Yeah. It, it just, I'll be really curious to see what happens. I I assume Zach Moss is ready for week two. Obviously, Evan Hall got banged up, but, I mean, Eddie, don't you look long and hard at some running back in the next 24, 48 hours? As Kidding we, and Drake? As we record this, nothing yet, but I say yet. I mean, it, I 
quantity or quality standpoint. I think that's something that you have to look at. And, you know, Eddie, part of me wants to say, like, Colts, what did you expect? I mean, for a month. The Colts have known that Jonathan Taylor was iffy for week one for a month. Month plus. They've known Zach Moss has been iffy for week one for a month, a month plus. And outside of Kenyon Drake, this was it. Yeah. This was it. Jackson. And even when Evan Hall was healthy, Eddie, I was like, why is he not rotating in? Like, Hall didn't get in until, I think, maybe after the first fumble. That was when he really saw his first. I'm like, man, they're, they're treating Evan Hall like he's Saquon Bart, or they're treating Deion Jackson like he's Saquon Barkley there. But that was pretty much a theme across the entire NFL. Like, you look at Detroit, they brought Jameer Gibbs along a little bit. Yeah, but he, a little more than that. Atlanta like, did the same with Bijan yesterday a little bit as well. So, I mean... I think it's more of a learning curve of yeah, getting used Deion to the Jackson's NFL. Not even. I I understand what you're saying. David though. Montgomery or homeboy from BYU had a nice Tyler Algier. Yeah, for um for the Falcons there. So, I just um yeah I'm I'm shaking my head. I feel like you can hear it in the tone of my voice there. For what it's worth, I looked up Jonathan Taylor's game log and I I tweeted it out. I think in the third quarter, can you imagine Jonathan Taylor's agent watching this game? Yep. I don't. We don't have confirmation yet that he was naked at one point watching that performance from the Colts running backs. <laughs> uh, was he on the sideline? I never saw Taylor. Uh, I don't believe Fox ever showed him. So I don't know that answer. Um, I asked Shane Steichen if he was attending meetings on Friday and got a very kind of, oh, when he's in the building, he's rehabbing. So I don't think he is in the meetings. Uh, Jelani Woods seems to be, Jelani Woods, for example, is injured also. Uh, but is at practice and looks to be attending meetings to me. Stephen Holder on Thursday on Query and Company said that Taylor comes in in the early morning, does his therapy, and he goes home. Yeah. So my answer to that question would be no, based off of that comment. The agent, uh, Malkikawa, did like a tweet of mine. I didn't. I, I didn't know he followed. Oh, me. he probably doesn't. He's just searching. Searching. Well, yeah. it's weird because the tweet didn't even have his client's name in it. But whatever, that's neither here nor there. Maybe we can get to that. It was Luke Rhodes related. It was half tongue in cheek, and boy, the vultures came after me. The sarcasm meter on Twitter sometimes is kind of a gray area, but we can wait for Twitter questions for that. What I looked up was Taylor. I was like, okay, how many times has Taylor had a dozen carries in an NFL game? 35 times, Eddie. Jonathan Taylor has carried the ball 12 times in an NFL game. He has been under three yards per carry. Uno. Uno. Two points something or other against Tennessee last year. So one time in 35, and that is not obviously 1.1 yards per carry. And as we know with Jonathan Taylor, he uh, has set an NFL record for the highest yards per carry of a running back through the first three seasons of an NFL career. So needless to say... Eddie, Deion Jackson, run run game in general, running backs in general, um, absolutely putrid on Sunday. Um, at halftime, I texted you. It was about the start of the second half, actually. Um, is Michael Pittman Jr. on the field? He had one target in the first half, and you would think they would try to scheme some things up for him, and certainly they did in the second half. Then that's part of the second thing that you didn't like yesterday was the support for Anthony Richardson. And outside of Michael Pittman Jr., he didn't have much support. Yeah, and let me just quickly touch on Pittman before we get into like the the, the lack of support. Um, you know, Pittman on that screen, I want to see more of those opportunities for him. 
Yes. I, I, I know it's turned into the running joke, the comment I, I, I make frequently about there's no USC pretty boy in him. He runs angry. He runs like the son of a 10-year running back in the NFL. And that's a menace in the open field. It's not like, even if you watch him, watch him tackle Tyson Campbell after the interception. Like, he does not go lightly. Remember back in the preseason when he got on that fumble or like a possible fumble? Like, he is a violent receiver. And I don't think you say that often. So I'd like to see moments where he gets more chances in the open field with crossers, with screens, things like that. Um, obviously, he, I thought he showcased some pretty good speed on that, you know, 49 yard touchdown there. Um, and really, he had a couple nice catches early in that drive, too, which kind of set up what yeah. I thought was a much bigger second half from him. But yet to that point, Eddie, you know, he wasn't targeted hardly at all in the first half. Pierce, I mean, Alec Pierce, 66 snaps, three targets, one catch. You know, I it, you got to have more. I mean, I'm watching Zay Jones. Zay Jones, is he, is he the number three? I would Calvin say Ridley he's the one. Christian w- Kirk two. I would say he's the number two in two wide receiver sets because that's he played more snaps than Christian Kirk yesterday. He, yeah. He, okay. Based off pure production, I don't know. Maybe Ridley, Kirk, Zay Jones, whatever. Zay Jones is making that grab in yeah. the end zone. And I mean, these are castoffs. Zay Jones is bounced around. Christian Kirk was not retained by Arizona. Evan Ingram was not retained by the Giants. And Jacksonville said, "Come here, and we'll do something." And, and that's where I get at. And I think. I'd like to think yesterday was a reminder. I know we verbally expressed this, but yesterday was a in-your-face reminder of what changes in personnel, some notable names, albeit they might be making too much money, what they can do for you. I thought the Colts secondary had some pretty darn competitive moments. Yeah. And yet, you just got out-athleted, out-talented, out 50 50 however you want to describe it. So... I just think, and it was a one possession game halfway into the fourth quarter. Sure, I mean, hell, you had, you had the lead halfway into the fourth quarter. Um, so I thought, just in general, a lack of support. Pittman probably doesn't necessarily qualify into that, but everybody else does. It was a shame that Ogletree got knocked out of the game. I am, you know, eager to see what Will Mallory can do this Sunday, assuming he gets the call up with the Texans. He was a, he was an active. He was a healthy scratch, wasn't yeah, he? Healthy scratch. So yeah, you're just. Um, you're just, you're just putting too much on the kid's plate, Richardson's plate. So I, that's not earth-shattering. That's not breaking news. But we're reacting to the 60-minute football game. And, again, when I say lack of support, Eddie, let's throw the punt unit in there. I mean, Rigo had a couple shanks, I thought. Um, and then the play of the game. Just circle it right here. We always do it. I, I don't even know if it's under the radar. I, I'd like to think our listening audience is pretty darn knowledgeable, and they are, judging by – some of their responses and inter- interactions I have on Twitter with them. All right, uh, 11.03 in the game, Eddie. 21-17, the Colts lead. Fourth and eight from the 50. Rigo gets, I thought, one of his better punts of the game. Um, bounces. Jamal Agnew picks it up at the six-yard line, okay? So let's say Agnew gets five yards there, Eddie. So now that he, he's at the 11, so that means they have to go 89 yards. They're, they're down four. They need yes. a touchdown at that. By the way, your hair looks wild right now. Thank you. Um, Eddie just took off his hat, and that's why I'm referencing that. All right, now I'm scrolling back here. Okay, let's look at the previous Jacksonville drives up to that point, okay? 
four plays punt, three or excuse me, four plays turnover on downs, three plays punt, one play fumble return for a touchdown, four plays turnover on downs, eight plays field goal, three plays punt, six plays punt. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven drives. One field goal, three punts, two turnover on downs, and a fumble return for a touchdown. They weren't moving the ball 91 yards, in my opinion, at that point. 89 Negative. yards. Negative. At that point of the game. And remember, the O-line, they lost Brandon Share for that point. Yeah. You're asking, you know, hey, Press Taylor, you want to still run into a cloud of dust like, like they were? At some point, you just were going to have to throw it nonstop. And would your O-line have held up? Because the biggest key for me, and we can get into this in just a second, your D-line was, I thought, more than controlling the line of scrimmage. Borderline dominating that aspect of the game. So that punt, that that that, that it's a little space and and uh, reaction time. I, I I don't know what happened there. And boom, all of a sudden Agnew gets the outside and he sets up a whatever 50-yard return and Jacksonville gets the fourth down, then a few plays later they punch it in for a touchdown, Richardson throws the pick and Travis Etienne says head to your cars. So it, that play, man, and it goes back to the Richardson comment. Every play matters. You, you just, you just never know. And this is the reliable punt unit. No Bubba Ventrone or ego off the Achilles. All. So yeah, um, support, 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 support. And this gets back to the bummer, Eddie. This is why I think fans are a little bummed. Things that usually are reliable and/or things that we knew were going to be major question marks didn't show up for you. Yeah. Anything else? I think the third and 12 on that drive after that punt, it was a 10-yard... Was the dump to ETN? The dump off to ETN. You give up 10 yards on third and 12. Yeah, because they probably kick a field goal there if they don't get that. That's where I would like to see Gus Bradley dial up the blitz, if there is a blitz in that, in that scheme, because you've got to get home in that situation. You have to prevent them getting any manageable yards to make it a debatable fourth and five, fourth and six, where you know they're going to go for it. And instead, if you get a sack and you're able to sack them because they're at the Colts 25, you're looking at, what, around the 32, 33, depending on how far back you you lose yardage. So you're looking at a 40-yard field goal. Um, I, I just thought that was a big play, too. Yeah, and credit Press Taylor, who I thought the play calling at times was very head-scratching. Um so I'm in the press box for the game. I always like, gosh, Press Taylor is so young. Um, they got Zay Jones on Zayer Franklin on that fourth down. Just a great little, yes, just kind of stick, yes, throughout there. And then it was a nice ball by Lawrence too to get that fourth down. Um, okay, should, should we transition to what I liked? Uh, there's one. Uh, I think there was one thing that you had left on here, and that was finishing. Finishing, yeah. yeah. And, and I guess I kind of hit on that a little bit. You know, it's just different when you're playing with the lead, Eddie. It's different when. And again, this gets back to the Richardson comments. Every play matters. Every drive matters. When you transition into the second half and you see adjustments and you just have to kind of deal with the bullseye adjusting a little bit more. Um, And again, it's not all on Richardson and the offense. A large chunk of it is. But what did he miss? Was it one of his – I think he was like – he had a stretch there like one of seven, I want to say, after the Pittman touchdown and capped by the pick. You know, he had Granson over the middle one time on a ball that it would have been a tight window, but it's a ball that I've seen him make. And 
That would have been a huge play there. And it's not like you even moved it at all. You didn't get a single first down in those five drives there. So finishing, that that's different. You know, 14 nothing in the fourth quarter, Eddie. What were you in the fourth quarter last year? Oh, boy, they were the worst, weren't they? Right? They were second Minus worst. 60, something like that. So these are all things that I'm going to point out here in week one. I'm not going to, like, undress them for it. But we will get to points November, December, January, certainly in future years where this stuff really, really matters. Uh, but, yeah, finishing, uh, we are going to react to each game like we normally would. So, Okay. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. When St. Jude opened in 1962, childhood cancer was considered incurable. Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 to become a partner in hope. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime. What I liked, Eddie, I, I, I don't know if I'm carrying the Colts water here, but I don't think I am. I thought the defense played pretty darn well. Hats off to Zaire Franklin. Zaire Franklin was all over the bleeping field. 18 tackles. Jinx. 18 tackles. And I thought impactful moments, too. Obviously, the punch out. And for those that missed the Zaire Franklin comment in the postgame locker room, Larry Overton asked him, because uh, I thought to myself when he made that play, I'm like, what a heady play. I'm thinking to myself, man, that's a six-year Dude, that's a that's a what is he a three time four time captain? That's a veteran saying to the rookie, "Watch this. I'm gonna punch this ball out and see what happens." What does Air Franklin say after the game? Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I was just trying to be a, uh, and this is where you hold your tongue and say apple. Mm. If you catch my drift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Zaire, love the brutal honesty from him. Of no, I, that was yeah. I mean, I didn't think I heard a whistle, but in all honesty, I was just trying to be a. Mm-hmm. I'm even more curious. Like, if he doesn't do that, how does that play shake out? I, at some point, and I thought they were going to do this because when Bigsby picked it up, I'm like, is no one going to tackle him? I think eventually they would have just called it dead with Bigsby not trying to do anything. Like, almost treat it like a quarterback stuck in the pocket, you know, when they sometimes kind of blow those plays dead. Yeah, like, do you follow it all? I, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe a ref just yells out, like, Play's not dead. <laughs> I don't know what, what would have happened there. But uh, Franklin, you know, I thought Shaq Leonard looked better than I thought he would. Yeah, eight tackles. Big tackle for loss that knocked him out of field goal range. Made a play in space as well that I noticed. Um, EJ Speed did, as expected, you know, kind of pitch count him for about 20 snaps or so. They were in, eh, 20 might be too high of a number. They were in base a decent amount. I thought your secondary was pretty competitive. Uh, on the ball, I didn't see like a lot of just wide, wide open dudes. I thought Lawrence and those guys had to make some plays. And Eddie, let's be honest, you know, let's take Cincinnati's Mother Nature game and put it on the back burner. That's got to be one of the better quarterback wide receiver groups you're going to face all year. Yeah. Easily, yeah. You know, when you start breaking down the schedule, so um, 
Again, D-line, O-line, we talked about it all last week. I thought it was the biggest matchup of the game. You had to own it, and I thought that group did. I mean, certainly Buckner makes the big play. I thought Quiddy Pay had more moments than I've seen from him. And what you want to see going up against a rookie, making his first NFL start there. You walk away from that, and I think you think to yourself, Eddie, a Tony Brown interception, a DeForest Buckner strip, Julian Blackman, the near pick, EJ Speed, the punch out. I mean, how many games last year did the Colts A, force two two turnovers, and B, have two more that, I mean, in a blink of an eye, could have been turnovers? Mm-hmm. They didn't get their hands on enough balls last year. They And again, there were a few pass, passes defense that you would like to see. Like, you'd like to see Daryl Baker, Dallas Flowers, kind of get in there just a fraction, a little bit more. I don't think their DBs had a single... Um, Pass broken up outside of, I guess, technically, you know, Tony Brown counts as one with the interception. Nope. Because it was Dio, Zaire, and Tony Brown. Those were the three. Yep. Yeah. They, they not give Blackman one for the near near pick? No. Hmm. Um, so I thought your, def- your defense without question played better than the 31 point average we're going to see, you know, at at the end of the year with that. Yes. The 7.1 second stopwatch on the first Jacksonville touchdown, that is inexcusable. You can't have that, especially when you're defending such a short field. You know, when it's such a confined field. That's like, the Ridley touchdown you're talking about, right? Yeah, that was the fir- the third down touchdown there. That's a huge play. I mean, if you yeah. if you hold them to a field goal there, you know, the whole flow of the game changes on that. But all in all, I, I, I thought your defense played um, played pretty good football. I think the guys that you expect to play good did play good. They were your four leading tacklers and Zaire, Shaq, and DeForest and Grover. Quiddy got a sack. It was nice to see. Uh, and I thought a couple other big, big pressures from, yeah. from Quiddy as well. You just, you just left your defense out to dry. And sooner or later, I said to Chap, I'm like, gosh, don't you think his defense is going to break? Just it. I mean, how many times are they going to defend a short field? The, the, the field position got skewed at the end of the game. I thought Jacksonville controlled the field position, though, for the vast, vast majority of it. I mean, how many times are the Colts, you know, defense running out there at the 45-yard line to start a drive? It's like, gosh, man. So, um, all right, anything else, or should we go to Twitter questions? I think that'll wrap up the game itself before we get into Twitter questions. Cool. Let's do it. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. St. Jude treats children across the country and around the world, regardless of color, creed, or financial capability, because they're committed to love and care for their neighbors. Join me in helping St. Jude give every child with cancer the chance they deserve to survive. Together, we can save more lives. Call now to become a partner in hope. 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Daniel, what are your thoughts on this, he says, come on, man, just open the roof. I get the noise advantage, but we only get it open for like two to three games a year. <laughs> Number two, we need to be worried about the wide receiver room. Richardson held the ball a lot and didn't take many throws downfield. Is that because of lack of separation or Richardson being hesitant to make a possible mistake? Yeah, I um, I guess let's start with the roof. <laughs> 
Were they afraid of Anthony Richardson's shadows for his first NFL game there? I don't I mean, I am an Indianapolis resident, so taxpayer money is certainly where, where it's at. I I don't get it. 80 degrees at 3 o'clock? Oh, that's what Ursay's tweet said. He said it's, it's going to be 80 degrees at kickoff, dude, so I mean, roof is closed. Gosh, unbelievable here. This adds, by the way, to the Deion Jackson. This is a little bit of a, a deep analytical view. Deion, and this is from um, Aaron Schatz from NFL Football Outsiders. Deion Jackson of the Colts had a minus 66 DYAR. That is the lowest single game for a running back in week one since 1981. What when, is DYAR? When Sidney Thompson fumbled four times in a game. What is DYAR? I, I assume some sort of like offset of DVOA, like the advanced analytics of factoring in like opponent and comparing them to the rest of the league and those numbers. It's supposed to be like a little deeper, more accurate depiction of stats than just like rushing yards per carry. Or rushing yard. I mean, it's super deep analytical. But, uh, yeah, Roof, I, I I don't get it. Daniel, I, I don't. I mean, what the hell are we doing? Just bolt it shut. Uh, separation is always an issue with these wideouts. And, you know, Eddie, w- what I want to see moving forward is this, okay? Pittman and Pierce, right? Pittman plays 70 of 72 snaps. Uh, Pierce plays 66 of 72. So they are your guys. They are your. I was surprised to see Isaiah McKenzie, just one snap. Uh, those are your outside receiver guys. Where is Pittman's strength? In space. Where is Pierce's strength? Outside the numbers. 50-50 balls. Jump balls. You've got to force feed those. Yes. You just you just have to. Because I do think in the natural game, these guys do struggle creating separation. I want to say it was a fourth down that they tried to throw to Pittman early in the first half. Or I don't know if it was early. Maybe it was late. And the ball got batted down. Do you remember that play, Eddie? Yes, I do. Yeah, fourth and four right here. That was when they had like a 59-60 yarder potential field goal. I guess we can give them Matt Gay here. Um, And Pittman, uh, Richardson got that ball batted down. Pittman didn't have a chance there. I mean, he was swallowed up. I, I don't know if it was Tyson Campbell or if it was the other corner, but just swallowed up. Like... There are some certainly some deficiencies in their game of being, you know, a, a number one wideout, create beating press, creating early separation is one of those, which is disappointing because they're both big guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got to have more. You got to have more there. Raj would like to know how much of the loss would you contribute to the lack of the run game? Also, you can't imagine Jonathan Taylor and his agent salivating over the fact that non-existent run game. Uh, what do you think? Love the pod and still supporting Colts Nation from Brooklyn. Oh. Love you guys. Brooklyn. Raj, speaking of New York, how about Rajiv Ram? I just realized I had my mic off for that entire question, so I'm going to say it again so that's actually oh. on the podcast. <laughs> All right. Go uh, ahead. Raj, how much of the loss would you contribute to the lack of the run game? Also, can you imagine Jonathan Taylor and his agent salivating over the fact that the Colts run game was non-existent? What do you think? Love the pod and still supporting the Colts from Brooklyn. Love you guys. Now do I say the same thing I just said? It's okay. I'm going to leave me not turning my <laughs> mic on in there. So Raj from Brooklyn. Shout out to Rajiv Ram, Carmel legend. Jake Maybe. Funk was left in there, so <laughs> so I got to leave that in there. Boy, I had so many people when Funk got in the game tweet at me. That was funny. Um, third straight U.S. Open double title. Doubles titles there. Absolute legend. I remember Kevin Lockery and myself going to the neighborhood tennis courts back in the day trying to imitate Rajiv Ram, as he was winning a state title for the Greyhounds there. How'd it go for you? Uh, it did not go very well. Although, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm a decent pickleball player. Maybe not. Um, yeah, like I said earlier in the podcast, I think, you know, Malki Kawa is probably 
I don't know how he was indulging in himself on Sunday, but man, uh, he had to be very happy with that. I, you know, I think having Taylor Eddie, there's a little bit more accounting for like the the different options, if you will. And for example, let me bring this up, okay? When Notre Dame played Navy earlier this year, Notre Dame took Jack Kaiser, one of their best, smartest linebackers, and yeah. literally lined him up as like a corner safety because they wanted a sure tackling guy in space for the pitch man in Navy's triple option. You know, that was that that can be such a big play element. They wanted a they didn't want a corner out there making those plays. That is kind of like a wrinkle that, you know, honestly, Taylor would bring of Jacksonville would say to themselves, guys, we got to make sure we account for Taylor. Like, if he gets ahead of steam and he gets the second level, oh, you know, I mean, that's different than Deion Jackson or Evan Hall or one of those things. So I do think that is where you miss him. And again, I'll, I'll go back to this on Deion Jackson, Eddie. It was a double whammy. It just wasn't the yards per carry. Because you you asked a very fair question. The offensive line did not do Deion Jackson a whole lot of favors. Yeah. But it's the double whammy of the two fumbles and the drop catch on top of that. That's where the double whammy comes into play. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And then, like, inversely, too, when I look at it from, you know, a big picture NFL standpoint, um, Miami's offense looked explosive. So, in terms of the trade value there with – Jonathan Taylor, I don't think it was good in that aspect. And then, of course, you had Green Bay and Aaron Jones had a monster day yesterday for them. Um, and then A.J. Dillon didn't have a great day. So, I don't know. If in terms of Green Bay, it was like a... J.K. Dobbins injury? Yeah. And all? I don't think so because, I mean, that's Baltimore. Baltimore's going to be Baltimore. They're, they always got guys that just, you know, insert player. Yeah. Gus Edwards, Justice Hill. Um, they have a nice rookie. I can't remember his name. Um that they liked a lot during preseason. Uh, Chris wants to know if Shane Steichen was drunk during the game. Ooh. He says, That'd I understand. story. Right. He says, I understand it's just week one, but that play calling was horrible in the fourth quarter. Plus, he almost got Richardson killed by being greedy. Greedy, you say? Yeah, I um, we had a lot of Shane Steichen centric topics on the wake up morning call? show. Eddie, there's a reason, like, I haven't mentioned Steichen too, too much until now. I think I talked about it earlier in the pod, though. I would have liked to have seen a few more deep shots dialed up. I thought they maybe got away from running Richardson a little bit more in the third quarter. I was curious how much of that was injury-related. Um, I personally had little to no issue with the fourth down going for it from yesterday. And this is probably where you and I disagree a little bit on this, Eddie. You texted me during the game about Matt Gay. I think when you first texted me was on that 59-60 yard field goal attempt, right? It was um, on the fourth and four, I think is when you texted me when they threw to Pittman. I thought that yeah, was Yeah, probably around that. You would text me there. You know, 59-60 yards. Do I think at some point Matt Gay could be used in that situation? I do. I, I don't necessarily think, like, I don't know. I that That's kind of a 50-51 for me. Now, the first fourth down they went for? The uh, one after the interception? Uh the Philly special QB sneak. Yes. That was the that was the um that was the drive after the interception, I believe. Okay. So that was, you know, whatever, fourth and I mean hell, it seemed like inches, right? Yeah, from Jacksonville sixteen. I'm like, I mean, come on. Uh, can we not blame the offensive line? 
Like Shane Steichen's success rate in Philadelphia was what with that play? 90-something percent? I think they failed only like four times last year. It was like 37 of 41 or something, something ridiculous. Like, I am totally good with him going for it. And again, Shane Steichen is going to, for the most part, I, well, maybe for all of it, he's coaching to win. Yes, he's developing Anthony Richardson. He gets that big picture. But these are wins and losses that go on his resume. When he gets in those moments, he's coaching to win. And I think what he thought to himself is, we've got to get to 30 to beat Jacksonville. And obviously he was right in the end. So in that moment, it's very early in the game. He's thinking, let's try and get seven here. Let's not try. And it's again, it's fourth and inches. If your success rate is 90-something percent on the play, don't you go for it? I, I mean, would say not so. Not to get too deep. Right. Analytically here, but it's Jacksonville's D line against your O line. That should be what your O line should win. Obviously, we saw how the game unfolded there. So I don't fault it too much. The fourth and four on the 59 60 yarder, again, I'm flipping a coin there. I'm trying to think of the other fourth downs. I guess the other fourth downs would have come at the end. And I know there was a lot of debate over touchdown or field goal there late. This is my thought on it. Of the people clamoring for a field goal late, how many of you had the Colts plus seven and a half? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's a little bit too much for me. But that'd be an alternate line that you put into a parlay or something. Having said that, I think Steichen was going for the cover play. I get Steichen's thought process. I do too, by the way. You get deep into that territory. You think to yourself, at some point, you have to get a touchdown. What is Steichen saying? At that point of the game, it's easier to get a touchdown, kick a 55-yard field goal, than it is to kick a 35-yard field goal and then get a touchdown. And, I mean, it's a 10-point game at that point. Like, hindsight is super 20-20 once Richardson leaves the game with a hit. But, like, where's the balance of, like, you still could come back and win the game versus you just throw up the white flag? You know, I mean, that drive started with four minutes to go. Mm-hmm. And you had, what, two timeouts and the two-minute warning? So, I I didn't have as much of an issue with the fourth down usage. Now, two of 12 on third down, one of five on fourth down, you got to have better. And that's Sykin and that's, you know, Richardson, the whole op- operation. They should be better in short yardage. I think Colts fans should have a gripe with Sykin on that. Um, again, I like to see a few more deep shots dialed up. But look around the league, guys. Uh, no first-year head coach won, right? All the new coaches Correct. lost? Correct. Everybody's 0-5? Yeah. So, I think there's probably a reason for that. Uh, Matt Gay's career, 17-23 uh, from 50-plus. His career long is 58. So, yeah, I guess 59-60 is right on the edge there. Yeah. Tanner would like to know, or state, I should say, this team stinks and will still win three to four games like last year. How is Ballard so bad, but yet makes millions and has a job? This offense looks like an XFL team. Why does Chris Ballard shop at Goodwill and try to sell the fans? The team is a luxury. He's a used car salesman selling junk. When the Colts have a top three pick this year, do they fire Ballard and take a quarterback again? Thank you. Keep up the great work. My response is easy two letters N N O. Tanner, uh, thank you for the question there. Yeah, I don't think Chris Boward will be fired, but I mentioned it earlier in the podcast, Eddie. Uh, just look across the field for a team that has helped out their rookie quarterback. 
And I think with Lawrence, Eddie, it was not always smooth sailing. No. I mean, I remember games where it was like, don't let Trevor Lawrence get into an early rhythm because if you throw some early adversity at him or he has to deal with that, you could get a 50% day out of him. So they've taken some cast-offs, and yesterday those cast-offs look pretty darn good. But those cast-offs have had NFL success. Right, but again... I'm not, basically, what I'm saying is these are not these blue chip absolute slam dunk answers. But what did Jacksonville say? To shop in the free agency market, you've got to spend a little. Yeah. And they were willing to do that with what label them however you want. B B players. If you know Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and those guys are A players, you know these guys are obviously you know, whatever B ish players. Um, but you got to do that early in a young rookie quarterback's career or else in my opinion you can really break that guy if you continually say to Anthony Richardson hey this is your support man that wear and tear is going to build it's going to eat at him yeah I mean when you look at those players too Christian Kirk second round pick Evan Ingram first round pick yeah there's Zay Jones second round pick certainly I'm not denying there's talent but obviously the teams that had them did not want to retain them for whatever reason they hit free agency people thought Jacksonville overpaid what did Jacksonville say we have to make a sacrifice in order to get our young quarterback right after such pretty, pretty good call after such an atrocious run game, do you think the Colts regret not paying Jonathan Taylor? That's from Blue Heavy. Yeah, me. I, I guess, can I just speak for me personally? I didn't need to see yesterday for that, but I mean, sure as hell has to add to it, right? Right. And, and Eddie, I am, what has been my year and my value for Richards, or for Taylor? I've said three for 39. Three for thirty-nine is is the year and the price tag I've thrown out there. I don't know this for sure, but I don't know if the Colts would do that. Like I don't even know if they're there with him, and and that to me, market value wise, seems very reasonable. Front load the hell out of it. You got all this cap space right now. When you need to make the big decision on Richardson, it happens in three years. Like. Yeah, I, uh, it's just um, it's head scratching to me. Did you see the uh, promotional video that they put on social media? Did Richard or uh, Taylor was in there for what point two seconds? Yeah, it was a marketing shoot of him, right? It wasn't even a highlight of him. It was a um, it was like their open. I think they played at Lucas Oil. Right, right, right. But I mean, uh, the the clip of Taylor was not a highlight no, of him. No, it was him. Football. It was him with all the other, like all the other players, and yeah, just doing a photo shoot. Yeah. yeah, it's a shame. There's no highlights of Jonathan Taylor out here, out there in his NFL career. You could put up. I know, right? I think there was more Juju Brents in that video than there was Jonathan Taylor. Uh, yeah. They even put Anthony Richardson preseason highlights in there. Again, the the immaturity from both sides. Let me make this very clear. Yeah, uh, continues to be. <laughs> just, you know, I was asked on Wish TV to give a grade of the Taylor situation at this point. I'm like, I'm giving it an F minus. I mean, how can you give it any other grade? Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. And again, both parties, like, I, I, I want to make this clear, like, both parties have had major, major issues in this. But the one party that's really hurting right now is the Colts more than Taylor. 
Yes. Taylor could still very easily get a payday and, you know, according to his agent, you know, Green Bay and Miami were willing to offer whatever he felt was necessary. It was more the compensation issue there. So, yeah. How many more we got? Looks like we've got about four. Okay. Give them to me. Judging. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Did you know St. Jude has one of the largest pediatric sickle cell programs in the country? St. Jude freely shares the discoveries they make, and every child saved at St. Jude means doctors and scientists worldwide can use this knowledge to save thousands more children everywhere. Join me today in helping to fight sickle cell disease by becoming a partner in hope. Call now, 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. By the intensity of the Colts' defense, does it not seem apparent that the team quit on Frank Reich after Carson Wentz season. The Colts looked like a football team that wanted to win yesterday for the first time in a year. Thanks, Kevin. Seems, yeah, I think that seems a tad harsh. I mean, did this team not beat Kansas City early last season? Right? I I, I don't know. That seems a little harsh. Harsh. I think the defense was more exhausted last year than anything yeah. else. Not that they wanted to lose. Yeah, I... I can't go there. Um, I do think there is a motivational level level and a different sort of mindset from Shane Steichen that I think is, is welcomed. But I, I, I'm not going to say that they. I mean, can you imagine starting a football season with, again, a veteran quarterback and just quitting from the start? Uh, yeah, I'm not, not, not uh, willing to say that. Mitch wants to know your thoughts on Shane Steichen's play calling. Yeah, again, a little bit more deep shots. Curious how much the Richardson injury impacted things and short yardage, you got to be better. Um, that's that's where I'm at with, with Shane. Jake sent this to me. He says, hey, Eddie, question for the pod. For some reason, Kevin's messages are unavailable. Whoa, that's not true. I don't know. That's just what he told me. I feel like I, feel like I get a lot of DMs from listeners. Does it look like... Rodrigo's, not Rodrigo, Rigoberto's leg strength isn't the same coming off the injury. Thanks. Enjoy listening every week. Man, I, I, Eddie, that was just. I think I'm he sure averaged, was, what, 41 yards a punt last night, which yeah. is. And I'm sure there's an element of like wanting to kick away from Jamal Agnew. I mean, he's made big plays against the Colts before, but. And I looked back, that is five yards below his career average. Yeah. It just. Yeah, that was uh, that was shaky from Rigo, and I think it's something that we got to monitor. Just just something to to watch. Last Twitter question comes from Austin. Hey Kevin, question for the next pod. This is Jonathan Taylor related. Do you think either side would be willing to give in a little if this team was a Super Bowl contender? As in, Jonathan Taylor takes less to be on the team and compare. Or Colts possibly just paying a little more to set them over the top to win it all. Which do you think would be more likely? Hope your summer was great. It was great, and the family's doing well. Thanks. Hashtag Best Colts Pod. 
Well, thank you, Austin, for for that. Hope uh, you and all of our listeners had a great summer. Or uh, I think September still qualifies as summer for a little bit here. Have a great summer. Um, Shoot, it's still eighty degrees outside. Oh, this week looks glorious. You would hope, to Austin's point. I mean, you would hope if you're you would have more sense of urgency if you felt like your your team was there. Um, you know, I I guess I will end the pod, Eddie, with a little bit of Luke Rhodes mention. Because obviously that was kind of the storyline to end the week of Luke Rhodes getting the contract extension and becoming the highest paid long snapper in the NFL. Let me start here, Eddie. What a great story, Luke Rhodes. Yes. Uh, Undrafted linebacker out of William & Mary. Literally learned how to become a long snapper. Like He was not a long snapper when he joined the Colts, uh, again, as an undrafted guy late in the Ryan Grigson era. Um just a hell of a run. This is now his second contract extension, and uh, he is a quite the athlete at long snapper and has made some big plays covering kicks and things like that. So it's a great, great story. Um, and I know a lot of people uh, took my tweet and, and, and certainly – and I was vague with it, so I can see why people implied it one of two ways. For those that missed it, I retweeted the announcement of Luke Rhodes. I guess I should just look it up. Ver- verbatim what was the contract? Sure. Uh, did I see four for six point four? Is that right? Four years, six point four million on the extension. I think that's right. Um, let me scroll back to what I said on Friday here. Gosh, I tweet way too much during games. Way too much during games. Okay, so um, again, the Colts mentioned that they have signed Luke Rhodes to a contract extension. I go, four-win team from last season gives contract extension to returning player. That was my tweet on Friday afternoon. Um, Obviously, a lot of people either A, agreed with it, B, took it as, you know, pure gospel of like me saying... Chris Bauer is going against his word of extending a player off of a four-win team from last season. Certainly a little tongue-in-cheek with it. Um, Malki Kawa, Eddie, with a like of that tweet, even though his client was not mentioned at all in that. And I mean this in all seriousness. That's just kind of one more poking of the bear. Do do you really need to extend Luke Rhodes before the start of the season? No. Especially after the comment you just made. Like, <laughs> well, well, I did say what two pods ago that there's always a uh, out of the blue extension, right? That nobody seems to or people forget about. There it was. But like, like, why now? I mean, you just made that comment, and unfortunately, this relationship, this Taylor Colt situation, is a seventh grade relationship. Yeah, seventh baby beyond genius. immature. It's so much bickering. And what does that mean? That means every little thing is going to get inferred in a different way. Yeah. Every little thing's going to be viewed at as a slight. Both sides. Well, clearly Malkikawa has some feelings on that. What was Jim Irsay's phrase that he used with Rick Venturi and Greg Regstraw back during the preseason? What did you want to see Chris Bauer do? I can't remember. Calm the waters. That's what it was. Little yeah. stuff like this. Don't think it helps calm in the waters. And my question, and this is not a Luke Rhodes, because at the end of the day, this is a long snapper. It's a long snapper. My question is this, Eddie. 
is the contract you're paying Matt Gay, is the contract you're paying Luke Rhodes, is the amount of money you're paying a kicker, the amount of money you're paying a long snapper, in any way, shape, or form, is that causing hesitancy in how much money you're giving or willing to give Jonathan Taylor? That would be my question. Because if it is, that's an issue. Because like I said earlier, three for 40, I don't know if the Colts think that that's acceptable for Taylor. But do they look at that and say, well, what if we had one and a half million here? from the Matt Gay contract? What if we had 500000 here from a long snapper contract? Like Those are actually questions that I'm asking myself. Because at the end of the day, and again, there's no way to bring this up without it coming as a slight at yeah. Luke Rhodes. But Eddie, the Luke Rhodes story tells you everything you need to know about the, about the position he played. Or position he plays. Luke Rhodes learned how to become a long snapper once he was on an NFL football team. Do people learn how to play quarterback once they join an NFL football team? Shoot. Sign me up. Do people learn how to play left tackle? You know, I mean, Matt Gay was cut by the Bucks. Luke Rhodes was cut by the Bucks. Like, this gets into kind of the overall philosophy of it all where it just is another reminder of just the roster building process and the premium positions. I would like to think a four-year, $6.4 million extension does not or should not impact the Colts' line of thinking with how they pay other positions and other players. But man, oh man, I don't know. It's a thought I have. You want to hear a wild stat of the day? Sure. Justin Jefferson only needs 85 more receiving yards to have more than any Bears Did you just go from Luke Rhodes to Justin Jefferson here? I did. Um, I feel like Jake Query. So do you have? I I, I was going to ask you for any comments on. The, am I out of line in my thinking here? What? With the specialist amount of money, and no, I don't think you are. Okay. No, I mean I just. <laughs> I don't get it, but I mean he's an all-pro, Kevin. We pay our guys. Justin Jefferson. Yes, he needs 85 more receiving yards to have more than any Bears player has had in their entire franchise history. Um, Johnny Morris is the all-time receiving yards leader in Bears history with 5,059 yards. He played there for a decade. Justin Jefferson is only 24 years old. Damn. And he is 25 yards shy of 5,000. That's wild. That is wild. Um, all right, Wednesday afternoon, we'll be back with a podcast preview in the first road game of the year. And you any and Mark other- Dykton? Storyline. Say it again. You and Mark Dykton, are you going to... I think I'm going to try and lure Jimmy Cook in. Mark oh. you know, has probably got some afternoon um, activities he needs to attend to at home. So Didn't know if you tried to lure uh, Brendan King in as well. Oh, he's about Brendan. Is he back? Yes. Okay. Well, maybe maybe I should text Brendan. Um, well, I think he's back. I know he's for sure back Friday. Okay. Well, I will maybe shoot him a text then. Uh, Eddie Garrison's going to be out on Wednesday. You'll be back on Monday, though? I will be back on Monday. Cool, cool, cool. All right, everybody, hope you enjoyed our first game recap pod, and we will talk to you on Wednesday.